Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 55 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is an update on the Iran sanctions program. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. Before we get started, I wanted to remind everyone about the ethics and compliance services we offer at my law firm, the Volkoff Law Group. The Volkoff Law Group provides practical solutions for companies to design, implement, and manage ethics and compliance programs. We offer comprehensive services related to sanctions and export controls compliance. And specifically in the trade compliance area, we support a number of global companies to ensure compliance with sanctions under the U.S. Department of Treasury Office of Foreign Asset Controls laws, rules, and regulations. And in particular, we assist companies by providing advice and counsel on issues that may arise under the sanctions programs, including Iran, Cuba, Russia, Venezuela, and other countries. We consult with OFAC staff when necessary concerning potential sanctions compliance issues. We apply for a specific license when needed for transaction or business relationship. We review specific transactions and conduct appropriate due diligence to ensure compliance with sanctions programs, and we provide advice of counsel memoranda on relevant issues to ensure that your company is protected legally to, uh, with regard to sanctions compliance issues. We also offer expert control compliance with the U.S. Department of Commerce, Bureau of Industry and Security, and in, com- in particular the Export Administration Regulations. Well, today I wanted to discuss the uh, Office of Foreign Asset Control, uh, Iran sanctions program, and specifically the recent changes in it. On May 8, 2018, the Trump administration withdrew from the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or JCPOA, which I'll refer to it as, and began to reimpose the U.S. nuclear-related sanctions. All of the sanctions in existence prior to the JCPOA, including nuclear-related secondary sanctions, will be reimposed and effective on November 5th, 2018. The wind-down of Iran-related activities during this interim period is pursuant to two authorizations and two specific uh, wind-down periods, a 90-day period which just ended, and we'll review those changes, and a second 180-day period which ends on November 5th, 2018. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has declared that the Trump administration plans to implement, quote-unquote, the strongest sanctions in history. Remember this, though, that the imposition of the sanctions, the re-imposition of the sanctions, uh, are only the secondary sanctions, which target non-U.S. parties. The U.S. government and OFAC has never changed or relaxed the broad prohibitions applicable to U.S. persons and companies in dealing directly with any uh, Iranian company or person. So the secondary sanctions, just to explain, target non-U.S. parties and uh, prevent them from doing business with designated entities. If a corporation, a non-U.S. party corporation, conducts business with a specified designated entity, then U.S. companies may be restricted from conducting business with that corporation. So a secondary sanction uh, would would put a a mark, let's say, on the non-U.S. company, and U.S. companies and U.S. persons 
would not be allowed to conduct business with, let's say, a European company that was dealing with uh, the Iranian, uh, the prohibited Iranian entity. So an example of this is if a foreign bank processes transactions for a designated Iranian entity, then U.S. corporations will no longer be able to use that bank for their own transactions under secondary uh, sanctions. So by November 5th, 2018, uh, OFAC also intends to relist entities and persons to the specially designated uh, nationals list. When the JCPOA went into effect, approximately 300 persons were removed from that list, and now those people, as of November 5th, 2018, will be relisted. So 300 persons who were uh, removed when the JCPOA was implemented on January 16th, 2016, will then be relisted and put back onto the list, and therefore the SDN list with regard to Iranian entities and persons will grow. So, uh, as I mentioned, on August 6, 2018, the Trump administration issued a new executive order in order to reimpose the first tranche or the first wind-down period of the Iran sanctions because they were the reimposition was divided into two tranches, the first uh, being the 90-day wind-down period and the second being the 180-day uh, wind-down period. Uh, the executive order also consolidates relevant sanctions authorities since the sanctions have been based on close to 24 executive orders and, uh, very importantly, broadens the scope of the previous restrictions. Therefore, uh, uh, in compliance or as warned by uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, they have broadened the scope of the previous restrictions. So, as of August 7, 2018, the following sanctions were reinstated. Purchase or acquisition of U.S. dollar banknotes by the Iran government, Iran's trade in gold or precious metals, the direct or indirect sale, supply, or transfer to or from Iran of graphite, raw, or semi-finished metals such as aluminum and steel, coal, and software for integrating industrial processes. Significant transactions related to the purchase or sale of Iranian rials or the maintenance of significant funds or accounts outside Iran, Iran denominated in the Iran rial. Uh, also prohibited are transactions related to the purchase, subscription to, or facilitation of the issuance of Iran sovereign debt. And finally, what's also uh, prohibited are transactions relating to Iran's automotive sector. Um, in addition, the wind-down period terminated uh, certain authorized transactions uh, that had occurred, and those deal with Iran commercial passenger aircraft pursuant to General License I, which has now been canceled, and Iran-origin foodstuffs and carpets and letters of credit and brokering services. Now, I mentioned that the new executive order also broadens the scope of sanctions in effect prior to the JCPOA dated uh, January 16, 2016. OFAC details this action, in, and it's good uh, resources to look at the frequently asked questions on the OFAC website and look at number 601, uh, and uh, frequently asked question number 601 will help you uh, to focus your uh, on the, these specific issues here. 
So now the executive order provides a new authority to designate SDNs to include any person that on or after November 5th, 2018, provides material support or goods or services in support of persons designated. Four, one, providing support or goods or services in support of the purchase or acquisition of U.S. banknotes or precious metals by the Iran government. Two, providing support or goods or services in support of the National Iranian Oil Company, the Nafatran Intertrade Oil Company, or the Central Bank of Iran. Or three, being part of the Iranian energy sector, shipping or shipbuilding sectors, being a port operator in Iran, or providing significant support of persons designated as SDNs. So we now have two new terms, providing significant support and material support, uh, which is broadly interpreted uh, to include, it could include, for example, a chain, a transaction that involves five different parties, and you're one part of that transaction, you could be providing material support. So we'll talk about that in a minute. With regard to financial institutions, the new executive order provides authority to prohibit or restrict correspondent and payable through accounts of foreign financial institutions that knowingly conduct or facilitate significant transactions with persons designated under the new authorities listed above. Petroleum transactions. The new executive order expands the menu of sanctions available to be imposed on persons who knowingly engage in significant transactions, there's that term again, related to Iranian petroleum products and petrochemicals, including visa restrictions on controlling officers and shareholders. So now, uh, if a company, let's say in Europe, is dealing directly, uh, dealing in Iranian petroleum products, um, not only can they be placed on a secondary sanctions list, but then we can also have visa restrictions on the officers and shareholders of the company, secondary sanctions on principal executive officers, and prohibitions on investing in or purchasing deck, debt and equity instruments from a sanctioned person. Also, the new executive order deals with foreign subsidiaries of U.S. companies and expands restrictions on foreign subsidiaries of U.S.-owned or controlled companies by prohibiting transactions with persons blocked for uh, any of the following activities. One, providing material support for or goods and services in support of persons designated pursuant to Iran sanctions. And two, being part of the Iranian energy sector shipped shipping or shipbuilding sectors, being a port operator in Iran, or providing significant support of SDNs. So you can see that all of these new authorities expand the ability of OFAC to impose restrictions not on companies, on persons that uh, in any way are tied to certain SDNs or prohibited entities. Companies will now have to comply with a renewed set of secondary sanctions and prepare for the second and final tranche of reimposed sanctions, sanctions which will be announced on uh, November 4th, 2018. Interestingly, as I mentioned, OFAC has adopted this new broad material support prohibition, and like I said, such a prohibition uh, will apply to direct or indirect transactions that may ultimately benefit a prohibited entity or person. 
The challenge for compliance now is companies will have to take greater efforts to confirm that their products or services do not end up in the hands of a prohibited entity or person. In other words, you have to learn the whole distribution chain of your product uh, and, and where it's going and what it's going to be used for because uh, you could technically be uh, charged with material support. Complicating things even more is the fact that the European Union has not followed suit in reimposing the Iran sanctions. Many European companies have announced plans to discontinue business in Iran. Uh, and in response to the August 6, 2018 action, the European Union just announced a new blocking statute that's intended to punish companies and individuals that comply with the new U.S. sanctions regime against Iran. So on the one hand, we have OFAC telling you not to do it, and the EU is saying if you do comply with it, we're going to impose uh, the blocking statute uh, uh, prohibition on you. Now, the EU's blocking statute is expected to have little impact on EU company decisions to discontinue business in Iran. Many have already announced that they are discontinuing uh, business in Iran because they don't want to fall subject to the OFAC sanctions. Uh, like I said, the, ni the next wind-down period ends on November 4th, 2018, and previous sanctions will be reimposed against Iran's port operators and ship and sh shipbuilding sectors, uh, shipping sectors, petroleum-related transactions, financial transactions, specialized messaging services with the Central Bank of Iran, underwriting and insurance services, and Iran's energy se uh, sector. In addition, all activities under General License H will no longer be authorized uh, and that will revoke anybody that was operating under General License H for U.S.-owned or U.S.-controlled foreign entities uh, that authorized uh, from the JCPOA uh, implementation date, authorized those U.S.-owned or U.S.-controlled foreign entities to engage in certain activities uh, with the government of Iran or Iranian persons and entities. Um, now, all of this has occurred from 2016 to 2018, from the JCPOA to this, but the general licenses that were issued prior to January 16th, 2016, and that's being the JCPOA implementation date, will remain in effect. There still are general licenses that apply to agricultural commodities, medical devices, supplies and replacement parts, information services, telecommunication services, and mail. But compliance is complex now, given our EU actions and given the broader authority uh, with regard to um, the, uh, the application uh, of the material support or significant support uh, requirements or standards. Companies have to review and terminate their relationships uh, to avoid uh, possible enforcement actions and voluntary disclosures. You have to look at who you're dealing with and making sure where your products are going. Uh, and obviously, when in doubt, make sure you consult in-house or outside counsel. So U.S. companies face a real challenge now complying with the, the new sanctions program. And I want to focus a little bit right now on the third-party risks. Because the EU's decision not to follow suit here, uh, as I've tried to explain, raises real significant uh, issues. So let's get into third-party liability. 
The Iran sanctions program broadly prohibits the exportation, sale, or supply of goods, technology, or services to Iran. Even if an exported good is not destined for Iran, a person or business may violate sanctions prohibiting transshipments through Iran. Through Iran. So now, uh, the Iran sanctions program prohibition includes the exportation, re-exportation, sale, or supply of goods to a person in a third country undertaken, and here's the critical standard, with knowledge or reason to know that the goods are intended for supply, transshipment, or re-exportation to Iran or the government of Iran. So U.S. companies have to take affirmative steps to ensure that any export of goods or services to a person in a third country are not intended for Iran. When selling goods to a foreign distributor, for example, U.S. companies have to make sure that such goods are not going to be reshipped or uh, in, installed into another uh, piece of equipment which is on its way to Iran or an Iranian business. Such a prohibition, in my mind, increases significantly the company's third-party risk and the need to conduct due diligence, secure appropriate written assurances, and review shipping plans for any export to ensure that it does not pass through Iran. Sanctions compliance requires not only managing third-party risks, but also identifying a company's customers and the intended use of goods exported to a foreign company. Written and user certifications are going to be critical in this regard, and knowing when you need them and uh, securing them is very, very important for compliance purposes and documenting every step that you take here with regard to the sanctions uh, compliance uh, regime that you have in place. Well, that's it for today. Uh, next week, we're going to return and talk about uh, the Russian sanctions program and recent changes uh, with regard to the Russia sanctions program. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. Please also rate this, the, give it a five-star rating and a like uh, so that other people can find uh, the, uh, the service. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.volkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact me anytime at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.